Good evening, gentlemen. Password, please. We're part of the Somebodies Network. You are never alone when you have Somebodies. Now do try and not make a mess on the credenza this week. We are rolling. Okay. We are on the air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to rewind a little bit, we just started uh, getting into the uh, type of sophisticated and erudite uh, conversation that keeps a, a pastored podcast like this afloat. Um, and what was going on? Let's talk about going to Disney Springs for a thing. We'll get to that. Yes. But you were talking about making a return trip to Trader Sam's because... There's a brand new zombie mug out. There's a brand new zombie mug out. Well, I... Would, would you call it new? It's just a paint job, basically. It's a re, it's a repaint, at least. And that's something that's not really common to Trader Sam's, I don't think. Uh, but I think that would be a good thing to have Jay in on. But, you know, he's, he's not here today. Um, he's got he's got, he's got got missions. Uh, he's got family in town who he rarely town, gets yeah. to see. So we we gave him a pass. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's got, you are permitted. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's, got a, uh, he's got a floating holiday today. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That'd be great if we had like a little gimmick where like as soon as we start the podcast, we each take like time cards and then pop them into a <laughs> like that. <laughs> Good night, Sam. So zombies. All right, this is what I, this is what I was wondering. Um, so this new repaint is what you uh, what you uh, uh, you described as like a, kind of a whitish tint, but with the red detailing around it, like blood and right uh, on on pale skin. And I was I was wondering aloud, okay, well the old one is green. So obviously there's some sort of um, uh, uh, internal flutrosh or deep-rooted flutrosh uh, happening uh, with that mug. And this one, I think, is more or less calcified. And I don't know via what means that that could happen. And then we were talking about that, uh, about the uh, rate of decay for your average zombie. Right. So I was wondering if zombies have permanent priapism. Now, since I failed med school, uh, you're going to have to tell me what that is. That's death boner. Oh! oh. <laughs> well, um, Yes. So, are, are you... Do they need to be at full mast when they die, or does this happen afterwards? Well, seeing as how I've never seen a freshly dead corpse, at least one on its deathbed, other than my own dad, and I wasn't going to look there, um... <laughs> God damn <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, that's you one know, way to remember him. You know, to maintain the dignity. Jesus, he's got a whole foot long in there. <laughs> God damn it. I don't know. I don't know if it's actually just like maybe it's, it's you know, it's paying respects to the wind or if it's like, like a, like a, like a, like a prow or fucking how, however diesel it gets. But I kind of, I'm kind of suspicious that like, we like whoever's watching The Walking Dead has been watching eight seasons of flesh hungry zombies running around chasing people with like raging hard ons. <laughs> they could double as sundials. I, <laughs> I love it when I crack him up. I just I absolutely love it. Sundials, though, that's a good one to go out on. <laughs> that reminds me, uh, there's you. You want to hear a um, a Mel story? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. First this of has all... to do with blood, not boners. <laughs> all right, we got a Mel story ahead. What do we have? All right. So my mom, Mel, 
Uh-huh. Uh, she does wardrobe for movies and TVs and whatever came into town. Mm-hmm. She had done this for a number of years, worked on a number of movies and TV shows, and then finally decided, okay, that's enough. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to wear down. I'm going to retire. Mm-hmm. She retires about two, three weeks later. She gets a phone call saying, hey, we're looking for uh, a wardrobe person. Are you available? And she's like, well, I just retired. And it was a, it was a movie, so it was a one-time job. Mm-hmm. But with movies, you work for weeks on end, and mm-hmm. it you know it's a steady paycheck. So yeah, you're also okay. You're located remotely too. Yeah, she had to fly up to Boston for this one. Mm-hmm. It wasn't being shot in Florida, and when she heard the names uh, Shutter Island, mm-hmm. and remember who directed that? Yeah, Scorsese. Yeah, when she heard Scorsese, she was like, "Okay, yeah, I got to do this." <laughs> nice. And nice. plus, being from Boston, she can stay with family, visit. Like, mm-hmm. friends and everything. So, that was really cool for her. So, she flies up there. She starts shooting. And they're, like, on location. I'm not sure if it's the actual location that, historically, the 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 thing happened. I, or it was, like, some other... I think it was some other situation where it was, like, a, a hospital that they closed down. Uh, Shutter Island was fictional, right? That was a Dennis Lehane novel. Right, but... And it wasn't based I, well, I on think, anything. I think it was fictional, but it took, like, this and that of, like, other real-life stories. Oh, okay. But the huh. location they were shooting in, it was, like, some kind of castle-slash-hospital hybrid mm-hmm. uh, where a number of people had died. And oh, an they, asylum that hadn't been knocked down yet. <laughs> I think that's what the situation was. Uh, okay. uh, I'm going off of memory what she told me, but mm-hmm. one of the things that she had to do was, uh, as being in wardrobe... She has to set out, like, say, five items of clothing, like five different shirts, Mm -hmm. and they all have to be in, okay, this one has been worn for one day Mm -hmm. on the movie, one week on the movie, one month or so. So they all have to have, like, continuity style, uh, consistent of wear and tear. And and in such a way that there's a shooting schedule for the players, there has to be a shooting schedule for the props and the costumes. Right, so there's like good 20 different copies of the same exact shirt, just with different varieties of damage done to them. Yeah. One of them is, one of the shirts have to be a little bit bloody. Mm -hmm. And she went up to the director of photography and asked, hey, uh, what part is this particular outfit needing to be bloody? And he looked at her like, what are you talking about? Well, blood coagulates over Mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. So... We need, uh, is this freshly bled or has this been sitting there for a week? Has it been sitting there for a long time? And the, the, the DP kind of like did one of, I don't know. <laughs> really? Yeah. So he pulled over like another manager, producer, whoever. Uh-huh. And they're all like, we didn't plan for this. Uh, you know what? You make the call. <laughs> Looking right at my mom. So she calls up somebody that she went. Uh, she trained under down at uh, Valencia Film School down mm-hmm. here in Florida. Right. And he's like the head of the film department. So he's, he sets her up. No, wait, I'm getting that backwards. She contacted a, a special effects guy. And he sent her like $25,000 worth of prop blood. <laughs> and it came in like uh, 10 different barrels, uh-huh. buckets, like Home Depot buckets. Uh-huh. And it's like, okay, this is what you want to use. If it's fresh blood, this is for like a week and, and so forth and so forth. Uh-huh. So she's 
like beaming. She found this blood that they <laughs> Martin Scorsese himself didn't even think about. Well, he did think about it. He yeah, just yeah. didn't tell anybody of his underlings about it. Yeah. So they get it all together. She brings out the bucket and the, the like coordinator mm-hmm. looks at her and says, um, here's a check mm-hmm. for getting all this prop blood. We're not going to need it. What, what do you mean? All the blood we're going to use is going to be CGI in this movie. Oh, that's why it looked like shit. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they, wait, 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 wait. They already bought the blood then? So they, she, they told her to go out and get the blood. She went out and got the blood. So it's already it's already above the line, and they already paid for it, but they're oh, yeah. not going to use it just to, just to contract it out to it. Dude, what the fuck is going on in Hollywood? <laughs> that's very strange. I can tell you that the blood did not go to waste. All right. I never thought I'd say that before. <laughs> well, you didn't drink it, right? She sent it down to Valencia's film school. That's uh-huh. where they came into play. Uh, okay, so okay. they got $25,000 worth of blood, mm-hmm. movie blood, yeah. for free. They couldn't have been happier. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking nice. But what up with Scorsese? Usually he runs a... I don't know, man. There was something off with that movie, too. It was it was cool, but like if you've seen, if you've seen a Scorsese... Uh, uh, I almost said joint. It's not a Scorsese joint. As that's that's another director's thing. Maybe a Scorsese knish. I don't know. Uh, but uh, if you if you've ever seen a Martin Scorsese movie, they, you know that they like tend to follow a particular beat. You know, and they're oh, yeah. usually super visceral. And that's 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 like been a thing of his from Raging Bull on up to I don't know where the Terminus actually where the Terminus actually manifests. Casino. Casino might have been the beginning of the end, but then The Departed was pretty good. I, d- I couldn't really tell what the element there was, but it could have been because he was, I don't know. Directors typically have, like, a preferred uh, uh, set of workers or a preferred set of uh, um, collaborators that they like to work with. Uh, for instance, your aforementioned DP, your uh, continuity coordinator and things like that. Yeah. And that just on this movie, all of a sudden, he went Spielberg and was like, look, I'll, I'll get whoever's working. Uh, I'll just say, point that this way. I'm in the trailer. Come get me when you're done. Something like that. But yeah, uh, there's a particular like uh, terminus with Scorsese too, and it was somewhere around the uh, somewhere around the, like the early 2000s. But yeah, uh, yeah, that, that was that was Shutter Island for me. I mean, it was it was cool, but I like uh, towards the end. And this is after Fight Club came out, so like everyone was trying to get on get in on the uh, the psycho twist ending of uh, that movie. Uh, not to spoil Shutter Island for anybody. <laughs> oh, how old is it now? It's got to be over. It's got to be twenty years. Yeah, close to and it. to be honest, it's probably like aged better than Fight Club has. But um, yeah, it's still a good movie. It's just that like I'm I'm talking about Fight Club. It's yeah. still a good movie. Uh, like it's one of the best Psycho and Wire shot and produced. But the 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 source material, especially the philosophy that's underpinning it, that's like fucking locker room depth now. You know, because what's the core of it? We are owned by the things that we think we possess. Oh, yes. But then you see dudes getting high after a football game like, bro, what if? (laughs) 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 What if we cannot be lifting if we cannot ourselves be lifted up? You know, (laughs) things and stupid shit like that, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Since we're talking about movies. Uh Uh-huh. Let's stick on something that uh, we have going on right now, uh, and that is our Oscar scorecard open challenge 
for the Cretans Guild Championship. Uh, Corey, you haven't submitted any picks yet. I'm looking at our scorecard. We have a couple entries. I know a couple other people have said they want to get in on this. Um, okay. Do uh, you want to go on the fly or do you want to take your time on this? Um, and uh, I'll see what can be pulled out of my ass. I know that uh, there were some things to be said for uh, a couple of actors and directors and uh, flicks that have been picked out. Uh, the one, uh, the one, not quite a surprise edition of uh, Black Panther. I think we talked about that before. And it sucks that, like, you know that Oscars are just like, oh, we're throwing this one a bone. <laughs> yeah. So progressive. Um, everybody, everybody at that table hated that. We're like, yeah, but it's a superhero movie. Can't we just... <sighs> what about the one of the ten movies that Taraji P. Hansen was in this year? Couldn't we just pick one of those? Unfortunately, I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Happen. It's going to get some technical award that they'll give out during a commercial break. We call that the Guillermo del Toro coefficient. Ballad of Buster Scruggs. I'd really like to see that before making that call because it looks interesting, but you never know what the Coens. Um, okay, so, actor in a leading role. And you want me to, like, rapid fire these bitches off or what? Sure. All right. So, actor in a leading role. Um, Rami Malek. I want to see that I want to see that dude run off with a gold. Um Viggo Mortensen, uh, from what I've seen of the Green Book, yeah, it's the car- it's the performances that carry that movie, and I do want to see that movie, but I haven't gotten to it yet. Actor in a supporting role is going to be Mahesha Ali because that guy is nil but fried gold, and uh, <laughs> I, I want to see him. Uh, I want to see his face uh, around uh, show business quite a bit more often. Oh shit, that's right. We talked about this before because it's Mahesha Ali and a guy that I think has been like in Hollywood long enough, but has never been recognized for anything. R- uh, Richard E. Grant. And you can refer to, like, the last podcast that we had with uh, Jay about this. Um, Not Sam Rockwell? Sam Rockwell's awesome. But you know he's going to have a bounce back year at some point. Because the guy's, like, the guy's like one of the most valuable utility players in Hollywood. He's going to fit in that bin at some point. He's just going to have that one project where people are going to be like, yeah, okay, Rockwell gets one before, like, a Lifetime Achievement Award. Whatever. He's good for it. Actress in a leading role. Glenn Close. Uh, if they haven't given her anything in the last 15 years, uh, then they're probably going to give it to her now. Um, Olivia Coleman would be like who I'd like to see get it. Uh, actress in a supporting role, Amy Adams, Marina is Beale Street could talk. Uh, Emma Emma Stone, that's an interesting one, and Rachel Vice. Yeah. That's two. Mm. That's two good ones right there that are like long overdue. But I think Regina King's gonna get it. Animated feature film. I don't think it'll get it, but I really fucking want it to. So I'm gonna say it does. Spider Man into the Spider Verse. Okay, I think it actually will get it. Yeah. I fucking like, I, 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 what what were you, what were you which way were you leaning? Mariah, because I haven't heard of it. <laughs> kind of like um uh Persephophilus or Perso- Ugh, fuck I always fucked that title up. Uh the one that won like a couple of years ago that was based on a uh, kind of an obscure graphic novel. Uh Isle of Dogs though. Eh, it's probably it's good. It's, it's probably Mariah. It's, really it's probably Mariah. But I'd like Spider-Verse to get it. And it's still absolute and complete bullshit that animated is its own category. That sucks out loud. Yes, it does. <sighs> Cinematography. Uh, Cold War, The Favorite, Never Look Away, Roma, A Star is Born. I saw a trailer for A Star is Born, so I'm going to say that gets it. Uh, <laughs> and, and nothing else. Uh, costume design for Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Black Panther, that's another... Yeah, we'll give him one for the costume design as well. That was what Pan's Labyrinth won for, wasn't it? 
When that, I don't that easily, think so. That easily should have taken at least best director for that year. At least I that think one. it got hair and makeup. What the fuck, man? Ugh. Hair and makeup. Which, deserving, but still, you ne- it deserved more. Right, okay. Um, costume design. Uh, the favorite, Mary Poppins Returns and Mary Queen of Scots. And every time somebody mentions that movie to me, I keep thinking of the Monty Python skin. <laughs> I think she's dead. <laughs> no, I'm not. Um, man, Mary Poppins Returns had some actually had some pretty uh, solid costume design. They 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 concentrated a lot on palette with that, and it was cool. Uh, the favorite though, you know how much of a bitch it is to co- to like to get like period stuff like that to sync oh, up, yes. and how much material is involved. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you would remember because son of a wardrobe person. Yeah, because your mom, right? <laughs> because yeah. your mom. Um, yeah, let's go with the favorite for costume design. Directing, uh, Black Klansman, Cold War, the favorite, Roma, and Vice. Uh, I keep hearing about Black Klansman too, and I have no idea what that movie's about. From what I've been seeing online, it's basically like uh, a two-man race for best director. Between which two movies? I know Black Klansman was one of them. Um. The top of my head, I can't remember what the what the second was, so, but it was basically those two directors, so, one one. So ignorant of all of this. Um. <laughs> uh, oh, you know what? Maybe if I uh, let's see, was it um, Alfonso Cuarón? Oh, that's who directed Roma. Then it's definitely going to him. Okay, so score. Okay, uh, Panther Klansman. If Buell Street could talk, Isle of Dogs, Mary Poppins Returns. Um, Black Panther score was bland as shit. Ed. Didn't stick out from any of the other Marvel movies at all, so... Horizon uh, score. Jeez. Um, uh, go with Isle of Dogs on that, because at least it had the uh, it had the spine to stand up a little bit for itself. Uh, best Picture. Ah, um, I think that Green Book is going to get that one, to be honest with you. Because they try to make everybody happy with Best Picture, you know? There's a lot of cynics out there that are watching the Oscars that are like, oh, you're just jerking each other off in each other's faces, and it's just a fucking spectacle that nobody wants to be a part of outside of whatever theater it's being shot in. Um, and then there are other people that are like, well, one or two movies deserve a spot somewhere on this list, and that's probably the one that's most deserving because the most people went and saw it, and most people went and enjoyed it. And I've actually heard people talk about the Green Book at least, you know? And Black Panther, of course, we did because yeah. it's nerd mm-hmm. shit. But <laughs> it was that, um, it was that and Bohemian Rhapsody as a second. And then, I'm sorry, no, it was Green Book, A Star is Born, and then Bohemian Rhapsody. And those were like the three most bandied about the water cooler movie, movies that uh, I've, I've, you know, I've uh, uh, witnessed other people uh, discussing. So yeah. um, I'm going to go Even with the, Green Book. Even the two movie buffs I work with who go and see everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I asked them, oh, did you see Roma? What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no shit. Um, production design goes to Black Panther. I want that to win for production design. Holy yeah, they, shit. Yeah, because I'm sure that movie was hard as hell to put together. The previs on that. Like, uh, like, like, I know cyberpunk's kind of like a thing right now, but Savannah Punk is something I didn't think... <laughs> I didn't think any, uh, <laughs> any design artist could have been able to conceive of, you know? Is that what it's called, or did you just come up with that? I just came up with it because that's the I only thing it. I could think of. <laughs> think Savannah of the Punk. Because because it, 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 it like takes place in the middle of a veldt, you know. But they have they have to look like a society that was built up around the technological uh, advancements granted by the discovery of 
fucking that magic meteor, uh, vibranium, right? Yeah. And it was like, God damn it, this is the best. It's like straight up, it, there's a straight division be- between organics and technological design in this. And in a way that, that I haven't really seen so far. I mean, you've always got, you got your landmarks like, like Blade Runner, um, in Mad Max, and which isn't really cyberpunk. I know it's just I'm I'm talking about like, no, I, I know I'm talking I know about like big environmental design ideas, you know? Yeah. Um, and it was it was a it was a new and a startling thing. It was it was so fucking cool. So if it gets any category, I hope it gets that one. Um, and uh, yeah, damn, sorry. Uh, animated short, we're doing that. Yep. Okay. Yep. Uh, I saw Bal. Bal gets it. There are so many interesting movies that come out throughout the course of a year that I think fit into these categories way better than other movies that have occupied them already do. And it, and it feels unfair because it's the same cluster of titles over and over again. Mm-hmm. And that's why I don't really have a whole lot of an interest in the Academy anymore, because it's, it's, I don't think any of these things are picked in earnest. It's just, you know. Oh, God, no. It seems to have all started after... Um, uh, what was the year that like like Water for Chocolate and the Piano and all those won? Like ninety two, ninety three. Yeah, early nineties, mid nineties, yeah. somewhere in there. I don't, and I don't want to. I don't want to put forth the idea that it was because the eighties was you know vacant and and, and you know uh, completely devoid of any sort of uh, uh, movies of sust or cinema of sustenance or anything. I mean, we had plenty of shit aside from like all the pop culture brain candy that were that we so uh, venerate. And you know, I think in the last. 20 years at least maybe even 30 years only one summer or one big blockbuster movie like did really well in the oscars and that was return of the king unless you also include like uh avatar and titanic i'll never understand why james cameron's movies make it into the oscars (laughs) like after after uh after the abyss even it was just kind of but whatever i mean avatar was okay right but it certainly wasn't oscar okay like what the fuck Fury Road. If Fury Road didn't even get a nod in the year it came, and it came out with Avatar, when that I when I saw it for the second time, mm-hmm. that's when it clicked in. It's like I've seen this before, and not just because this is the second time I'm viewing it. I've seen it before that. Mm-hmm. Just like little bits here and there, just like crammed in. Visual effects, stunning, mm-hmm. great, awesome, but the story feels a little familiar. Okay, I, I don't want to hear the words Fern Gully. Because that's such. I didn't say. For, oh, I didn't say that. All right. Okay. Because I, I've actually seen that movie, and it's like nothing like that movie. Fern is good for one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm throwing shade at Avatar. Like I said, it wasn't a bad movie. But the thing is, is that like, yeah, they both have like messages about environmental stewardism. It, it addresses that idea by positioning the conflict between people that are homesteaders and people that are like invading. And then presenting them eventually as, like, straight-up fucking terrorists. Um, and Ferngully is like, well, Robin Williams is a bat, and he, uh, there's shrunken fairy people. And uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's... I kind of... Uh, <laughs> nobody dies, really, I guess. There's a, there's a scary scene with a combine, though. Remember that. Uh, so, shit, yeah. And then what was before or after... Or before Avatar was Titanic? Yeah. I... Yeah, okay. <laughs> also, uh, there was the other project that he had prior to starting Titanic, where he was shooting a documentary about people fucking in old cars, and uh, he was able to uh, <laughs> he was able to <laughs> he was able to rescue that footage, uh, and it was a bit warped because it was kept in very uh, a very damp environment. But uh, 
Oh! <laughs> and then, here's, here's, here's something that not, not a lot of people know about that uh, movie also, is that um, he created, or he was inspired to uh, write the love triangle into the screenplay uh, by watching uh, Billy Zane get his uh, order misplaced at another table at Spago's and the ensuing celebrity tantrum that he threw. So that made it into the script as well. You know, that one I can believe. I don't really know. He seems like a nice guy. He's just not a great actor. <laughs> <laughs> he was the bomb in Phantom. Yo, hey, how about that shit? Um, okay. Oh, rehash a, a, like a little conversation we had on our Slack. Uh, Sticking oh. with James Cameron. Uh-huh. Later this week, I'm going to go see Alita. Okay, do you want to which, do you want to keep that for next week because Jay might be with us by that point. He had some really good ideas. Let, right. The thing is Jay doesn't he he self-admits that he's not really big into anime. Oh, he's such a fucking so, liar. He got me into anime back in the 90s. He knows <laughs> he knows we, dude, it's we've told we've told this story before. Like before he showed me Golden Boy, I just saw anime was like really gross porn, like disturbing ass porn and yeah. um and Speed Racer. And like neither of those things impressed me at all. And then he showed me Golden Boy, and I was like, "There's merit to this, after all." Uh, he uh, he actually showed me Golden Boy, and then I think after that, um, what was the other stuff he was trying to get me into at that point? I can't remember. Cowboy Bebop wasn't a thing until 2001 or so because of Adult Swim. Um, that seems a little late, but I'm, I can't contradict that. Yeah, I don't know. But trivia about Jay: he tells people he's not into anime, but he's just dormant. He's a dormant weeb, and it will come out. He's again. a closet anime fan, huh? <laughs> he's a lapsed anime. He's a lapsed weeb. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it made me think of this one question because um, I've been noticing th- th- this is like two different topics here. The first one being people are loving this movie, Alita. The Seriously, critics, the yeah, it's got like ninety five percent on Rotten Tomatoes, but the critics hate it. They absolutely hate it, which not a shocker. Their job is to hate shit. Yeah, but then they jerk themselves off stupid over stuff like Deadpool and whatever else. Well, so it's not any sort of bias, but I wonder why. That's kind of nuts. Well, I I think I saw one review said um, I shouldn't have to do homework before I go to see a movie. And I'm thinking, you don't have to. When did Akira come out? Like, to the States. It was, like, late 80s, early 90s, somewhere when in there. When was it imported? I want to say, like, shit, like, 1990, 1991. Wow. Yeah. Well, I remember that and the OVA for Alita mm-hmm. were my introduction to anime. And I was like, okay, hmm. this is pretty good. Although, if you watch the, the Alita OVA now, you're like, oh, God, this is terrible. <laughs> the magna is so much better. Uh, 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 did you see the uh, the dubbed or the sub? version not to open up that can of worms but it was the i'm trying to remember i want to say it was dubbed we got a lot of dubs back in the day and man yeah. those dubs were dodgy yeah um where the the quality of the film can be degraded just by an actor or actress's voice but yeah, yeah. i i think it was dubbed mm-hmm. all right um and it has me thinking okay alita's coming out it was first a magna and now it's being made into a live-action movie. The last several times this has happened, mm-hmm. um, Ghost in the Shell, Dragon Ball, 
Like, there's so many cases where it's come to live action and it has sucked. Wasn't that why Cameron and uh, Rodriguez put Alita out? Because they were like, this is how uh, anime adaptations or live action adaptations ought to go? Well, he's been sitting on this project for years, even before Avatar. Cameron has, yeah. But the but the collaboration with Rodriguez began with the with this uh, with this particular uh, uh, conversation. From what I know of this movie, that's where the germ was, uh, where the where the germ had metastasized. They wanted to make a good live action adaptation of a Japanese product. Yeah, and that's 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 like really that's like very iffy territory to begin with too, because because so much of anime is born of the medium or very much the culture which it comes from. And remember when there was like um there was some sort of a row about Ghost in the Shell and Scarlett Johansson being cast in the role of a major going to mispronounce yes. it, Kusaragi. And the thing was is that, like, yeah, that was kind of in poor taste, but it was also, and I didn't know this at the time because I'm, I'm not big into, um, um, uh, uh, oh, I can't remember his name. Um, I, I'm not big into his manga or, or, oh. or Ghost in the Shell. Um, she was written to be a national transplant, which would have lent legitimacy to that casting, even though it was still really hasty. Because you're putting Johansson in a movie, you're putting her in there for star power to begin with. Um, And I doubt that anybody on the producing staff really considered that. But the thing is, is that, like, that's my point. From From a managerial level, whenever these projects are conceived, it's like, well, we've got the rights to this, and we need to push this out, like, right now. Let's grindhouse this bitch and put it in turnaround. Um <laughs> So what are we going to do? I don't know. Bunch of special effects and a name that's recognizable from 20 feet away on the poster. That was how that happened. And then Dragon Ball was before that. And I'm pretty sure some other embarrassing shit was before that. Except for Speed Racer. They somehow got Speed Racer right. And that's disturbing. <laughs> this this conversation led me to think of, like, what's the next big anime thing that could go live action <laughs> yes and like so many salivating ideas started popping up I, like, I know oh, i would love to see some of these well, but before this conversation took off i was like you know the fan cynic and, and i was sitting there like no no anime should ever be adapted into live action but then we were like but <laughs> wait <laughs> some I, some stuff could hear work. me out yes i got a couple names so, all right so throw a couple out there i can only think of one right now um well jay threw it out I got to give him the props. Right. Cowboy Bebop. That's happening. I that's not one I'm really on board with, but since it's since it's already being worked on anyway, uh, I kind of have to accept it whatever. Well, there's the other one you you mentioned it earlier, mm-hmm. uh Golden Boy. Golden Boy would be pretty cool. Yeah, that would that would be great because they could turn it into like an office romance, of course. It needs to be as weird and as cringy as the anime was. It must be. Oh yeah, yeah, it can't be. Which that may not work in a live action. Uh, oh, it can market. It can because Golden Boy was kind of tangential to the suggestion that I was going to make. But you keep going with yours first. Well, the the last suggestion I really have is I'm not sure if it's a very well known movie. I enjoyed it thoroughly mm-hmm. when I saw it, and you introduced me to it. Uh, Steam Boy. Uh, I don't. Mm. <laughs> no, 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 no. Steam Boy is a special one to me. Uh, oh, okay. I think that that's an Otomo thing, uh, and Otomo. Are you think he's like up there with with uh, Studio Ghibli? None of their movies should ever be live action. They have such an imprint on them. You know what I'm saying? And the thing mm-hmm. about Steam Boy is that you are right. Fundamentally speaking, it a lot of Steam Boy's themes were based in American like uh, Horatio Alger mythology and pulp adventure and stuff. But I fucking Ooh, that was a scramble word. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was a fucking salad. I'm sorry about that. Um, 
But that that's like, ugh. That's one of those movies that like I'm legitimately in love, legitimately in love with, and couldn't couldn't even conceive of it being or looking any other way. It could not occupy another space in my brain. But that's my however many cents that was worth too. I'm just throwing <laughs> I'm just throwing coins at your ass like pell mell tonight. Um, but it could happen. It could easily happen because most of it's drawn from like our mythology or inspired by our stuff. What about Lupin? Uh, I'd love to see Lupin adapted. It's never going to happen, though. I'm sorry, adapted well. That would yeah, be f- that that's the trigger. That right? would be fantastic. Um, and you know what would be really cool about that is because because that one is such has such tight lineage or I'm sorry, tight DNA with uh, cultural DNA with um, uh, with uh, post war uh, Japanese counterculturalism that. You can make it a period piece and you can introduce like a ton of like legit Japanese actors to the American market. But I don't think anyone's going to do it right. They're going to be like, well, Americans aren't going to see this. And it's like, well, give it a chance. If you got a director or a writer, especially a writer that's goddamn good enough, you can make anything work. Any concept work. Fucking Guardians of the Galaxy is a franchise right now. (laughs) I know that's a really cheap example to go for, but it's got a tree in it. That has one line that it repeats like 200 times throughout the course of the movie. <laughs> Who are you going to get the voice in? Uh, one of the biggest action stars on the planet right now. Right? <laughs> 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 and people paid money to see it. Because it was intriguing and, 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 and it didn't collapse underneath its own weight. The writing was good and the directing was good. Granted, it's a very, very unique talent pushing that vision, but still, if he can do it, I'm sure that there are other people that like that we don't even know about right now that could do this. Um, and Lupin could be a future, or could be a future project to, to to put on the big idea hopper. You know, I'd love to see it happen. I think when I first heard that uh, Alita was being made, I kind of cringed a little bit, not because I thought the movie could be bad, but I thought in order to uh, convey the message behind the character, mm-hmm. you would have to compact so much story into a small time frame oh. that it might be just convoluted as hell. It's like it's so fast paced because they're trying to get in so much. The, the thing about anime and especially well series and OVAs is that there's so much mythology. It, it, it sometimes seems like there's a lot of like the first half of a season of any like serial anime is all uh, is all build. And in uh, world constructing, et cetera, et cetera. And then the actual story starts after the second half. And then when you're talking about adapting that much mythology and spooling it up into a tightly wound coil for American audiences in a 120-minute uh, runtime, it's like uh, some shit is going to go missing, whether it's, whether it's intuitive or uh, – sorry, what am I talking about? Narrative. I, I think it's kind of interesting how – I've. The thing about the OVA is it was only, I think, only two episodes which took care of the first manga. And Alita went on for a while. Quite a while. The Alita OVA, they act, what they had done is they inserted a couple of characters that were not in the, the original uh, novelization. Okay. And some of the movie, the, the live action movie mm-hmm. now, took parts from the OVA mm-hmm. and put that in the movie. And I was like, okay, that's that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And when, it, when I first saw a trailer for it, mm-hmm. it's all uh, released February 14th, Valentine's Day. I'm like, oh, God. I'm very, very familiar what happens early on her story. This is not a Valentine's Day movie. I'm sorry. There is a love story at some part, but... Uh, it's doomed and perhaps even a little tragic. 
Uh, it gets dark, I'll say that. Oh, no. Are you familiar with the story in any way? Mm, no. no. No, okay. I would love it if you were to go see it at some point, and with because Alicia's come with me, and she has no idea mm-hmm. anything about the story or anything, and she asked me, what's it about? I said, girl, robot, Pinocchio, Terminator, <laughs> cyborg, <laughs> love story. And she... That's what the trailer made it look like, actually. That's a pretty good summarization. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh... I see a, a couple of co-workers went and saw... The, the, the movie people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They went and saw it, like, on opening day, because they see everything on opening day. Okay. And I asked them, so what'd you think? They thought, I was entertained, and then I was sad. <laughs> <laughs> it felt like it. the story should continue. I was like, yes, it does. Were, yeah. you, were you sad, or did life lose its meaning to you or because it sounded a bit more profound than just that like the mopes (laughs) this is the same person who was not phased at all when spider-man vanished away with the snap like a lot of other people were apparently because you know it's gonna come back like even before homecoming was announced you were like we've read infinity war it doesn't it doesn't last it doesn't take now what would have been funny is if like Somehow the X-Men were involved with the Marvel Universe, and then, like, the whole Fox deal worked out in reverse, where they got the rights afterwards, and then the X-Men never came back to Marvel Studios. That would have been funny. So, um, that's Alita. See, I thought you were going to bust on it for the big eyes thing, like a lot of people did. But- well, actually, it was, I, I read a story about that. It was actually kind of funny. When they first released a trailer mm-hmm, for it, yeah. they had the eyes, and everyone's like, what the hell is this with the eyes? Yeah, yeah. And Cameron himself actually said, no, we need to fix this. Mm-hmm. So what they had done was they actually made the eyes bigger. <laughs> really? They made the sockets bigger. Uh-huh. But the problem beforehand was the pupils were very, very small compared to the size of the the, the ovals. Oh! So they just enlarged those as well. So they look more natural. Okay. All right. I was wondering about that. Because you knew it was like a you knew it was like a callback to traditional or uh, sorry I'm sorry uh, conventional anime uh, uh, stylings, right? But then people thought yeah. that they were trying to like push that style, the actual convention to live action, while the other actors more or less maintained their human proportions. And it was like I don't I don't know because if you look at it in contrast with the other outlandish visuals in the movie, it doesn't look so outlandish anymore. And that's the that was more or less the point, right? Because she's not actually a human. She's like you said, she's a, a doll person. She is a, te- technically she is she's a Ginzu knife marionette inspector gadget asshole. <laughs> yeah, uh, she has a human brain. Uh-huh. Uh, after that, it, it, it's all plastic and metal and whatever. She's more like the Tin Man than or a Scarecrow than anything. Yeah, huh. exactly. Interesting way <laughs> if of that. You know, that kind of reminds me, you mentioned the, the eyes, how they went back and they fixed uh-huh. it. You know something else I hope they go back and fix? Uh, what? Blue Will Smith genie. Blue Will Smith genie? I don't mind. Because they, they showed him on the... Uh, they it sh- doesn't look right. They showed him on the cover of Entertainment Weekly, and he looked all right there, too. But it was like, ah, something's lost in translation here without the blue skin. And then they showed him with the blue skin, and it's like, well, now you're trying to make live action look exactly like the cartoon, and it's a little bit jarring. Yeah. But... It's, I'm wondering if the visualization just isn't complete yet. Probably because everything that they had showed on the cover of that magazine wasn't even the wasn't even costume accurate. Because you saw Will Smith, and what else was what else did he sport besides the blue skin? Shirtless, doesn't have legs, and in on the cover of that magazine, he fucking did. <laughs> 
Um, oh, sorry. I wanted to throw out my pitch for an adaptation for us, unless you want me to hang on to it for next week. No, no, no. Uh, you know what? Go ahead. Throw it out. All Let's right. hear it. Because you had mentioned Golden Boy, and we were talking about cringe comedy. I think that uh, a, a show that's like, that would be better adapted than the anime was, because I enjoyed the anime, but it like, you know, it suffers from anime, you know, uh, premature conclusion, uh, was uh, I remember one of the first podcasts I told you about, Wachimote, which is about this kid who goes to high school and is completely at odds with how high school society functions and shit and it's very much like a uh, like a super a very visceral cringe comedy kind of in the vein of like peep show and stuff like that and i was like okay well things might not translate as well coming from a lot of it is entrenched in japanese society but it was like okay but this is a whole lot of references to otaku society and we certainly have enough of that shit over here. So, <laughs> yeah, except, you know, we don't call them otakus unless the person's a real asshole and they're calling themselves that in order to sound, you know, <laughs> I know. Um, the thing is, is that the stuff that this character is into across the ocean could be uh, could be translated as being into the same shit over here because we know a lot of people that are like this. And if you've ever read the book, you'd be like, ah. Fuck, I hung out with this idiot in high school. <laughs> I was this idiot in high school. Oh, and it would have been it would have been totally great. Because not a lot of people can get into sitcoms about teenage girls. They come from a, a very marketable specific perspective, you know? And this one is anything but that. So I think that would be a really cool adaptation to try to pull off. Right. Uh, I had a quest today. Ugh. Because toy, f- I like quests. Toy Fair was uh, Toy Fair was earlier this week, right? Um, and s- oh yeah, the New York Toy Fair. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, there was a lot of pretty uh, nifty announcements made. Uh, yeah, like the DC Luchadors. The DC series. Luchadors are the bomb. Holy! Oh my shit. god. <laughs> those are, and it's like another one of those like mad fever dream ideas that you think, okay, you know, only like an insufferable hipster douchebag would try to propose this. And I'm so happy somebody did. You're my favorite insufferable hipster <laughs> douchebag, and I will oil your beard forever for coming up with this. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was that was great. Um, there was a Sam and Max set that, that's coming out. Uh, there was a Jay sent me a, um, a picture of a couple of it's, it looks like a Mego style. Uh, a doll line of like uh, classic uh, science fiction and uh, uh, old school horror movie uh, style characters. And I think a couple from like a Twilight Zone also. Um, but Lego, uh, I was getting kind of, uh, I was getting, I was mentally preparing myself for a dry year for Lego. And that's fine because I got a lot of catching up to do. Um, hmm. They announced, uh, I mean, they, they released Apocalypse Berg earlier. But the rest of the Lego Movie 2 set has been kind of underwhelming, in my opinion, because there was just, they have a house, and it's a nostalgic throwback, which is fine. Um, I'm sure, like, people, like, glommed onto that shit, like, uh, you know, a koala to a, a koala to a toupee. Um, Obscure reference? I don't, whatever. Um, Just go. Yeah, sure. Uh, But for the most part, it was just like, well, these are definitely from the movie. But Apocalypse Burg was one of those, like, really cute designs that came from the first movie, like, um... The biplane made out of a saloon, things like that. Uh, but aside from that, not a whole lot. So they announced a, a really neat looking set called Hidden Side, which is a paranormal themed set. And whenever Lego does paranormal, I just I, I'm there because of <laughs> it's a talk of nerd radar. Yeah, uh, ironclad biases make sure that my wallet gets thrown the fuck down on the counter for those. Because um, my obsession with Lego began with 
my nephew taking me to Toys R Us to get the Monster Hunters Vampire Castle, and that's how it all started. Um, Scooby-Doo, same idea. Uh, so those look really cool, but they're AR. So it's kind of like that. Uh, it's kind of like that Fatal Frame that came out for the DS. But uh, you download the app onto your phone, and you can like start scoping out the sets that you'd build, and things begin to happen around like like a, like dead little minifigs pop out of the windows and things like that. <laughs> um, and that looks that looks crazy interesting, and I love the designs. And then and then they announced the Flintstones. And then, oh, and then they launched the Flintstones. And then I fucking bought the Flintstones. And oh! <laughs> because I'm a consumer whore. And uh, you can see that, like, in the background here, I've been putting together the uh, Ninjago City, which is, like, one hell of a uh, mega set. Especially if you're into, like, complex um, uh, 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 hyper-urban designs. And I think they look to like a, a lot of uh, a lot of cyberpunk because there's, there's like Blade Runner esque touches to this set, and it's been a blast so far. But I'm like, no, I'm building it too quickly. This has to stop because it took like three months. <laughs> you need to pace yourself. Yes, exactly. Because once these things are done, and you're like, <sighs> it's like when you finish a book, and there's nothing. That, you've been you've been like entrenched in that habit for like such a long period of time that like if you blast through it, like after I finished Insomnia, a book which is like this thick, uh... I kind of spent the day wondering what to do with myself. And a big set like that, it's kind of like the same sort of uh, uh, or not psycho, psychological reaction, I guess, is what you're looking for. So I'm going to take a break on these guys and throw it together. How many? Is, that's a 780, 748 pieces? 748 pieces. It's not a robust set. Uh, excuse me. Especially considering this thing has like, what, 4,000 pieces. And uh, generally, the sets that I uh, the, the sets that I bring in here are usually like the uh, the creators, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. The ones, the ones that sane parents don't buy for their kids, and uh, uh, yeah. So that's what happened to me today. I bought a thing. Very cool. You bought, <laughs> uh, yeah. You I bought something. Yes. That's how fulfilling my <laughs> life is. Uh, remember that that time in our lives where we wanted to buy stuff, mm-hmm. but our bank account said no. It's it's, it's up and down. It's up and down. Here's the here's the difference, and I'm I'm glad you. No, I'm still having those moments, but still, yeah, it's, it's less frequent. I'm glad you brought this up because this would have been a really good cold open conversation to have. The thing about back then and right now is that we make a living wage. It's just that we're stuck in the patterns of old, where we're like, oh shit, we got money. Live in the now, and and living in the now to <laughs> us is buying comic books and crap. So that's yeah. So now that we've now that there's like something. Now that there's something concrete for us to stand on and allows us to live like fully functioning and emotionally mature human beings, <laughs> sometimes we still blow it on crap and and <laughs> and we're aware of it. But we need to. I think sometimes we need to start like putting the governor on shit like that. And I know I got a huge <sighs> problem with those with those habits. I'm probably the worst out of all three of us. Come to think of it. Would this be a bad time to tease our uh, our T-shirt sales right now? <laughs> you can help support our podcast by going to tpublic.com and buying one of our shirts. It supports the podcast, and it gives you a really cool shirt. <laughs> Seriously, they really are good shirts. You can <laughs> you can help enable our fiscal irresponsibility by spend, <laughs> spending your hard-earned money on crap that you don't need that we made. But we won't judge because we're just going to turn that shit around anyway. Um, no, feel free. Yeah, like produce this podcast because 
This isn't free. That's we that's to, true. We, we have to pay that's for true. it. That's true. You actually shell out to make this all happen, which is pretty cool. Um, God, I was thinking about that on the way home. <laughs> actually, how much how much like work and shit you put into this, and I was like, God, I, I don't know how he does it every week. I lie to myself about making it's a labor of love. Yes, it, well, it, evidently so. But I lie to myself about like making one video ever, at least three times a week, and it never fucking happens. I am giving some thought to starting up a, a Patreon account just for our podcast, and it's been a combination of not knowing mm-hmm. what to do and then being too lazy to do it or having the time to do it. I should the say laziness is understandable, but don't they? Don't, yeah. Doesn't Patreon like uh, because people were abusing it a couple of years ago? By a couple of years ago, I mean like six. Um, uh, now you have to actually have something to show for uh, having an active Patreon account. Yeah, you're oh, I, I like I said, I have I have no idea how to set it up or anything, the ins and outs. I'm sure it's pretty easy once you get going. Yeah. I just haven't done it yet. Yeah, because I knew I knew assholes in like the dev in, in like the dev scene that would like they were just personalities on Twitter, and all they would do is like complain about people, and they would start up a Patreon for things like cultural criticism and things like that. And it's like, well, you really just get on Twitter and bitch at people, and then try to get other people fired. Uh, <clears throat> but Patreon's letting you have a page for that, so. I guess good for you. But then I thought I think but then other people started to catch on like you can you can only be putting out this much of what you're say you're putting out per period or per some indeterminate um span of time and you have to have an actual concrete product to show for having a Patreon. And that whether that's art or having a podcast or having a video channel, things like that. There's even you it'll even allow for like actually um, uh, uh, transmutable like cultural commentary, or something. As long as you're writing and you have a material, uh, you're and you have a material uh, end for having that page, then you're good to go. Mm-hmm. But you still have to be able to prove that you have that stuff. So you can't be just like, you can't be just like, uh, you know. Are you saying like regularly scheduled content, that kind of thing? Yes. Yeah. Oh well, that's out for you us. Know, yeah. <laughs> No, you keep this. You keep this ship on a pretty steady course. Like, in any given week, one of us will, you know, be out. I was almost out tonight, for fuck's sake. Like, I'm not even lying. Like, I gave birth to an army of chuds. Daniel Stern better watch the fuck out because uh, he's going to need a third lease on life. But despite that, you've you, you pretty much kept this uh, this whole ship on the straight and narrow for since 2015. So, make that Patreon page. Yeah. You've certainly got enough edited videos to show for it, I think. You know, I was thinking about that as I could use it for the tease our uh, YouTube channel because I try mm-hmm. to upload at least once a week. <laughs> yeah. Even though YouTube wants you to upload three times a week for three years straight, otherwise you're considered a dead channel. Uh, it's it's because YouTube can suck the farts out of our collective anuses. Oh, that reminds me of another thing that YouTube would happen on YouTube. Huh, what? Uh, a whole bunch of uh, like people who play Pokemon Go are also like uh, vloggers. Yep. And when Pokemon Go first came out, like one of the um, the stats uh-huh. are called uh, CPs, and just about a, a lot of people who put the the letters CP uh-huh. in their title screen, yeah. like "Hey, I'm searching for CPs" or some nonsense like yeah. that. All their videos got struck, and in some cases, their entire channels got completely privatized and um, not not deleted, uh-huh. but 
like you're not allowed to post suspended. anything for a while. Suspended. Suspended. Yeah. yeah, their their accounts got suspended. Was it because of the situation that you had proposed, or was it because CP is short for something? There is an algorithm in the YouTube matrix uh-huh. that was looking for the letters C and P. Mm-hmm. And anything that had that, they flagged it regardless uh-huh. of what the content of the video was. Okay. And the CP they were looking for was not combat points. It was child, child porn. porn. Right, yes. Yeah. yeah. See, that's why you can't that's why you can't key an algorithm to titles. Who the fuck's working at YouTube? Who's drafting this infrastructure? That's just, that's fucking Bush League bullshit right there. Some intern named Jim. I don't know. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I mean, it, like, see, it, it's, it's more or less commonly accepted among, like, you know, Chan circles and certain parts of Reddit that CP stands for that. And, you know, those are the trashier parts of the internet where they just kind of, like, talk shit to each other all day. But you throw that into a title on YouTube, nobody's going to come onto YouTube titling their video, hey, can somebody direct me to the nearest child porn uh, dispensary and have it just like on a marquee on the top of their channel? That's ridiculous. Who the fuck? Who the fuck coming up with this infrastructure thought that that would have been a good thing to chase down? Like, oh, I'm gonna... <laughs> whatever, whatever. I like okay. They're the YouTube given and the YouTube taketh away, and their ways are forever a mystery to us mere mortals. But man, a lot of those ways seem like retardation. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's why there's times where even if we had like a hundred thousand subscribers, I probably would not monetize our videos. Yeah, I would just go through a Patreon Dude, account because got- I would hate. I would hate it if I set up like some kind of financial support uh-huh. coming in through YouTube and then all of a sudden, oh, uh, it's gone now. Dude, if we ever reached 100,000 subscribers, I would not have my camera on ever, <laughs> ever, because I don't want to get assaulted randomly in the middle of the street one day over my assertion that maybe possibly two of the Autobots might have been sexually involved with each other because there's only one female on Cybertron. You know it's you know that planet is just is it's like 98% pirate ship. And I have no idea how um oh fuck, I forgot her name. Um RC, RC thank you. I was about to <laughs> There are other female characters. It's just well, for a long okay, for a long time it was just the G one and or G two and it was RC. I was about to say undercarriage because Jay had that hashtag the other day, <laughs> which would have been great. And I kind of want to draw undercarriage now too, as like one of our sub mascots or something. But I don't know. Um, maybe, maybe not. Um, but yeah, Cybertron's just like it's a fucking it's a Turkish sauna out there, <laughs> or a Turkish car wash. Car- it's a car wash. <laughs> Da, 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 da. At the car wash. I can't do a sound waves voice right now. Anyway, um <laughs> Oh, this is a good opportunity. Uh we're gonna go ahead. Let's let's tease our first episode in March. Uh-huh, right. We are going to continue a series that we have started years ago, and that is the nerd playoffs. Oh god, the playoffs. Alright. Yeah, the, the playoffs. playoffs. Only this year we're simplifying it. We're not gonna have it last for months on end and just like wear out my wrist yeah. with all the <laughs> hit film editing I have yes. to do. No, we're not doing yeah, that. Yeah, that's that's a Sisyphean uh, task, and I'm honestly surprised that you're like you're launching this uh, three years in a row now, right? This will be the third year. Uh, this will be the fourth. The fourth time. Oh. Fourth time in like six, years. I, in six it, years. There was like one year or two we skipped. Uh, okay. 
then those are the but years, basically it's the fourth those are the one. Years I don't remember. This year we are voting on best male pro wrestler of all best time. Best male pro wrestler of all time. Yes, and here is how the people out there, our listeners, can help. Shortly after the Oscars are over okay. with, uh, we are going to put up a Google Docs thing where you can vote on uh, a number of wrestlers. Did you s- separate? Did you say a GUI Docs? <laughs> Google Docs. Google Docs. Docs. All, right, all right, all right. See, the thing is, is that people listening are going to look up GUI Doc on you know what their GUI search Duck. their search engine of choice, and then be like, oh. Yeah, and it's going to branch off like an echidna penis. <laughs> God. <laughs> what the fuck is this podcast? <laughs> but there will be four branches separated by length of time. So we have like the territory era, yeah. the modern day era, uh, the Monday Night War era, and the rock and wrestling era. So we're going to take like the best eight performers from those four eras and put them all in a bracket to go head to head. Yes. So here is how people can vote. Once this Google Doc comes up, you're going to vote, and the characters or the, the the wrestlers who get the highest amount of vote that is going to determine the seeding for the nerd playoffs. And then uh, our first episode in March, we will seed the bracket, and our like second episode in March will actually hold the playoff. All right, to someone who's not sports literate, is this? Uh, how is this bracket different than the last one we used? Is this like a round? Uh, this one will be a I want to say last year we used a, a 32-team bracket. That's what we're going to do this mm-hmm. year. So it's going to be four brackets of eight each. Okay. Or four regions, I guess you want to say, going like, and just blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah, blah. But, but not not contained to each actual region. It's just, it's just us being cute, like naming the brackets after directors. And- this time it's actually going to stay, the time frame is going to stay for an entire region of bracket. So oh, when we oh. get to the, like the final four, it's going to be like the very best of this region, the very best of this time frame, and so All right, forth. Copy that. Okay, cool. And uh, so we have some interesting uh, possibilities. Who could be number one seeds? Uh, obviously, st- guys like Andre the Giant and Stone Cold are probably out there. But we have I've done some preliminary voting based. I've given it to like some members of the Somebodies and had them uh, just do a quick little <laughs> vote, and it was like okay. That might be interesting. All right, well, that's what's going on in March. Uh, we should probably sign off from here on out. All right, so check out our tpublic.com page. Search Cretans Guild at tpublic.com. You can get shirts, hoodies, phone cases, coffee mugs, throw pillows, travel, tote cases, office supplies, all kinds of stuff with our artwork on it. Uh, we've had a couple of really good reviews of people who've ordered their stuff as well, and it's it's high quality. It's really yeah. good. Plus, there's a sale going on right now. Yeah. So that's and, and shout out to our, our to our artists. Uh, uh, we, we had the Tiki Tony contributes one of them. Um, we have uh, Tom, Tom, Solo. Uh, Tom Solo. He created our current barrel. He created roll. our uh, mascot. Yeah, and a, and a lot of like stellar talent throwing their throwing their uh, skills into it, which is really cool. So we feed off your dialogue. We ask you to subscribe, like, and engage us in the comments on anything we've talked about today. And we say to all of our followers, new and old, welcome to the guild. This podcast is part of the Some Buddies Network. You're never alone when you've got some buddies.